your daily podcast where we discuss the movie titanic minute by minute i'm your co-host rob and i'm joined as always by my good friends joe and duff hello listeners let's make this a night to remember <laughs> oh gosh uh and it's wednesday it's wednesday it's heart of the ocean wednesday today's heart of the ocean is chris puttycomb from the podcast who's doing what now welcome chris hi guys That's, uh, thanks for having me you're very kind to do so Oh, well, thank you for being here. It's our yeah. great pleasure. Um, we're here today to talk about Minute 58. And in this minute, um, Jack tries to fit into high society, or he's beginning to try to fit in. Um, he's, by, he's, by this minute in a normal movie, something interesting would have happened. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's an hour in. Yeah, someone tried to kill themselves. I haven't Already? complained about the movie that so far this week, so I had to get that in. All right, I'm done. That's not true. You, you said you said on Monday it was the worst minute in the history of film. That is oh, true. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, Mondays don't count. And to be fair, we've seen an old lady tell stories. Mm-hmm. Heard an old lady tell stories. Mm-hmm. Um. So we have we have uh, we have Jack. He descends the staircase in his suit. Um, this is our first time seeing the uh, 1912, uh, the Grand Staircase here uh, on Titanic. And as much as there's not a lot going on in this minute, it's because it's sort of, um, I guess, a new genre, uh, staircase porn, what we have going on. <laughs> <laughs> this and Gone with the Wind. Uh, the, actually, step the sex step scene step in the part. room was an homage to the beginning of staircase porn in Titanic. <laughs> What about Anti-Mame has a pretty great staircase. Yep, yep, it does. I think this staircase... Rocky? Rocky's got a great staircase? Oh, Rocky might have the most iconic staircase. Battleship Potemkin? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And the... And... and, um, Untouchables. Untouchables. I almost need Paul Givens. You De Palma fanboy. Blanking. Um, I think the staircase is incredible. Yeah, I, yeah, it's uh, in all honesty, this is pretty, and especially on the big screen, it's pretty impressive uh, architecture. And I think number one, it gives us a impression of the the lavishness and the grandeur of this. And also, this kind of, I do think that this scene and this minute is very good at getting us familiar with the space because it'll come back later in the movie when all hell breaks loose yeah um that's a good point i i some fun facts about the original staircase um there are no original photographs of the titanic grand staircase Hmm. what yeah the only photos are, are the one on the olympic which was similar so did they just reproduce this from blueprints well, I think also looking at photos from, I mean, two things. One, looking at photos from uh, the Olympia, which is the the, uh, the Olympics, sister the ship. sister ship. And then also, obviously, as we've talked about, James Cameron did go down and <laughs> see this. He did see, he spent more time in the staircase than anyone. Um, and then the other, 
fun fact. Not fun. This one's not fun. Um, on the wall facing the staircase was a framed map of the North Atlantic route where Titanic's progress was updated every day at noon. Was it three-dimensional so they could show it where it was uh, on the like, whatever it would be, the fifth day? Yes, under the water, just yeah. like bringing it down. Was, yeah. it like, was it like, why is there a huge iceberg in the way? Oh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just... They'll turn. They'll just turn. all gathered around the map. Man, I hope it doesn't hit that iceberg that's right there. <laughs> Someone will catch that. I don't need to say anything. <laughs> I just felt dumb because I kept quiet. I should have said something the whole time. Yeah. Everyone else assumed the other person would say something. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that, uh, that old psychology thing. I forgot what it's called. The bystander effect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, so Jack, uh, he walks down the stairs, and he sort of, you know, he his, he doesn't look like he belongs here, right? He kind of leans on the pillar, quickly yeah. realizes he doesn't fit in. That gorgeous movie star looks way out of place <laughs> among all those other people. <laughs> His, his, but this is like the only time, this is the first time in the movie we see Jack, maybe the only time where his confidence is sort of gone for just, even just a even just a little bit. Uh, he doesn't seem terribly confident in the car later on. Well, okay, that's, <laughs> yeah. But uh, thus far, yes, uh, this is the first time we've kind of seen him um, kind of sh- taken aback and realizing that he needs to needs to up his game a little uh did any of you realize the song that was playing while he walks down the stairs yes the uh the blue danube waltz by strauss that's right is there any circumstance where in the middle of a party like that you would actually physically act out the way people were behaving i find that's a little bit odd well but don't you think he's trying to they're communicating to the audience and I think like they, there's no exposition there for that, so he is, you know, indicating his. Uh, all of a sudden, he realizes he's in a much bigger situation than he thought he was going to be in, and now he's looking for cues to try to survive it. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying that the filmmakers are not being subtle here. <laughs> I think. I, think I can't a, believe it. In Titanic, made for like a major market, so you have to like do what you got to do. So this is like the only kind of place that Jack has not journeyed, and it's into the lifestyles of the upper crust. Right. Yes. It's like he's a the final sm- frontier. He's a street smart cookie with a heart of gold. <laughs> I, you know what? I, as much as we are kind of struggling on on you know what do we say about Jack descending the steps, I almost think from the moment he walks into those glass doors, that is to me where the movie kind of like from about this point on until the end i think is pretty great yeah i agree i I, and i think the fact that he he comes down the steps like is is a transition to that and so like um i think it's it's interesting that he goes down instead of up Um, probably that's because that's where that place was on the boat but yeah um, but you know like uh i you know down and up are iconic um into the belly of the beast or into the the gates of hell or whatever into the inferno right yeah so like the crucible whatever you want to call it but i think like it's a there's not a lot going on but then if you there's some some symbol symbolism that's the word right yep that's it thanks nailed it (laughs) (laughs) um so i think i it's not without um you know sort of literary merit there 
And I do, I do think one thing that we've kind of ragged on James Cameron for thus far is the, you know, as he, we say, show, don't tell. And I think from this point on, we do start to get more of that. Because, yeah. especially on the big screen. And, Rob, I think you're the only one who I got the chance to see this for the re-release, the, the 20th anniversary re-release. And, yep. um but I just remember, like, this this movie really looks incredible on a big screen. And yeah. And to see all the detail and the 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 effort put into, the, you know, the everything from the fine china to the, the staircase to whatever. And I think at this moment, um, you know, we've kind of seen this movie through Jack's eyes. And, well, I mean, it's through Rose's eyes, but, like, we kind of are at this point following Jack a lot, too. I guess that's not true. We've kind of split so far. But we do here start to get uh, point of view shots from Jack. Yeah. Especially walking through the glass doors on the way to the staircase when the the guy opens the door for him. And that's literally his point of view. And then the, the... as he's descending the staircase, you're, the the shot, the point of view of the camera goes down with him, and it's I think it, it's panning through the the, the leaded glasswork and and just sort of the beautiful ornateness of the whole thing. And here's a guy. I I don't know. I I get the sense that he had never been even in those parts of the ship, which is again reflects the you know he's a steerage guy and that's his experience. And so now he's pretty like oh shucks in the big city guy and so um i think the camera angles reflect that really well also if you think about it from the storytelling point of view of this movie this this is old rose sitting on the keldish telling a story to people she never saw this moment right she's just sort of relaying what she thinks or what jack told her he felt when he walked down there so this could be a lie is what you're saying I'm not saying it's a lie, but I'm just saying like it's an unreliable narrator at this yeah. point. Yeah, it's sure. yeah because we don't because Jack spoiler dies. We don't know what he actually it. did was slide down the banister. <laughs> 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 he, uh, you, you know, what I think it was he had a whole like uh, a, a, a tray full of cakes, and then he said like fifteen coconut cream cakes, and then he tripped <laughs> and fell down the stairs, and they all went everywhere, and they sang a song about fifteen. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that actually got on the map, and someone was like, "Oh my gosh, we're gonna run into that iceberg." They're like, "No, it's just frosting from that cake." <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was an iceberg. I I did recently see this in the theater, and uh, in, and three I was, di- in three dimensions, right? Th- yep, in all all three dimensions, oh. and it was incredible. And I will say, like at this moment, as Jack's going on these steps, it's like the biggest day of his life. He's about to go on this huge date, you know, or at least go to a dinner with this this girl that he's totally smitten with and you kind of forget at this point in the movie and i think that's you know a good thing you forget the ship is about to hit an iceberg and sink well that yeah that's the that's what i love about the movie like and maybe this has been said already in previous incarnations of the podcast but i um i i the the love story on its face is not that compelling um and the tragedy on its face is maybe not as compelling and i think the two of them sort of make each other better like the the love story gives the tragedy stakes because you have a relationship with those characters and the love story is is uh given weight by the fact that this is a real ship that worth you know a thousand plus people really died and then it's only helped by james cameron's 
fanatical devotion to recreating the the ship as it actually was. Yeah. Uh, regarding that, there's um, a moment. Uh, I don't know if it's this minute. It might be next minute where um, they were about to shoot a scene uh, with uh, with Rose and Jack, and uh, they were about ready to start rolling, and then Cameron freaked out because he could see that there was like a smudge mark on the floor and he stopped through like, three crew members overboard yeah <laughs> he essentially stopped the scene and then like was waiting for someone to clean it up or like and no one was like cleaning it up well enough so then he went himself got some cleaning materials and cleaned it all up and was like it's a new ship there shouldn't be any scuff marks wow so it's just insane because of all those wonderful shots of the floor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't even, that's exactly it. It wasn't even like you could see it. It was just like behind like Jack's shoulder. And he's like, oh, I can see the scuff mark there. Yeah. We got to fix that. Um, and then obviously he, you know, back to what, what we were saying earlier, he tries to sort of mimic and, and start to fit in. He does, a, you know, he does a pretty good job quickly sort of morphing himself into someone who looks like he belongs, which we see soon. People don't even recognize him. I have heard that being r- rakishly a handsome gets you a long way. Yeah. In fitting uh, into places. I can yeah, confirm. If John C. Riley played Jack, I think it would have been a different story. <laughs> right, right. Nick, Nick Nolte. <laughs> yes. Nick Nolte now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell, there's no elevator? <laughs> <laughs> that would be... A different movie. <laughs> so, we we'd say Jack is a little out of his element here, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, uh, we 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 tend to tell ask our heart of the oceans uh, some some questions about their background with Titanic, and I would imagine a lot of people their first date may have been Titanic, right? I, conceivably, is yeah, that's, that's, right. Right. yeah. That's could be. Yeah. So uh, that's obviously can be an awkward experience no sure obviously not for me for me it went great (laughs) (laughs) the Uh, one first date you were on (laughs) yeah yeah um singular it was a it was a uh son and mom dance (laughs) uh, went great so what what when have you guys felt most out of place like jack here as a a street urchin if you will descending down into the snake pit as molly brown calls it when have you guys been in a situation like this where you're like, oh boy, I do not know what to do here? Um, so this is in college. And as most things involving college do, this involves drinking. Um, so one night I, I actually left a bar. Um, so I started to walk home and I was fairly intoxicated i wouldn't say like super drunk not fully duffed not fully duffed um i started walking and i noticed this woman um said something to me and i wasn't really sure what it was and i said what and she was sitting on her her step of her apartment complex and i walked over and we got to talking and it turned out that she had been stood up by a guy. Um, basically, I think she was supposed to get uh, a booty call to come over, and he had stood her up. 
Hmm. And so old Duff at this point in time did not have a lot of confidence or pride or <laughs> or whatever. And so I was thinking, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'll, ta- I'll take uh, uh, sloppy seconds. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and she's like, hey, do you want to come inside? And inside, I'm going, ding, ding, ding. Like, yeah, hell, hell yeah, I want to go inside. And so we walk inside and we get to the door. And she says, all right, before we go in, I have to tell you something. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, what? She says, I have some cats. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, whatever, I I like cats. Cats are cool. I'm a cat person. So we go inside. Multiple cats. <laughs> uh, like, you know when you go to PetSmart and there are, like, kitty condos and weird tubes that cats can go through? She yep. bought all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Her entire apartment full of cat toys and accompaniments the entire apartment smelled like litter box. <laughs> Sounds perfect. <laughs> so it's a lot of things started to click together. Um, you know, just inviting some random guy in, being 27 and still living in a cruddy student apartment and having a cat jamboree. <laughs> so <laughs> so what Duff did is he saved her and he proposed that very night. Yes, and that's how I met my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it was an extremely awkward situation and luckily I had not had too much to drink that I put I put enough pieces together to say you know what I think I should go so you you got out of that situation so you were in a you were in a a a stressful situation and you fell out of place and you just got out of there yes I realized that no good was going to come from any decision I made inside the cat lady's apartment yeah (laughs) You aren't kidding. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Um, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame you for uh, scratching the surface of that situation to see what was underneath <laughs> and then deciding you had to go. That anecdote hey, is Hey, I did the investigation. <laughs> well, I was just going to say middle school. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I, uh, I would say... Um, uh, men's locker room and (laughs) similar story but in a men's locker room (laughs) so i go into the shower stall this guy's in there with eight cats (laughs) (laughs) smells like litter they don't like water um (laughs) i i've got extremely alpha podcast people are listening to right now i've gotten over i've gotten over the uh the men's locker room thing but it wasn't till as an adult when i started working out um uh, during my lunches at work that I would uh, realize I have to take a shower. I have to shower. I can't like play basketball and then not shower. So I was a little nervous first time. I, was, I never, you know, Joe, you mentioned middle school, high school. Like I just, everything I could to avoid that moment, I did. Um, so here I am like 30 and I'm in a men's locker room and I'm like, it's fine. Grow up. And so I, you know, I got undressed and I went to the shower and I wear glasses if you couldn't tell <laughs> 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 if I don't sound enough like a nerd and um, 
So I can't see that well, which is kind of great when you're in the shower full of other people. Um, but I kind of went into the shower. It was like a big, you know, big room. There's not individual stalls. There's just, you know, the shower nozzles all over. And I went in. I took my towel off, and I'm showering. And I'm sort of having this moment where I'm like, yeah, this is fine. This is not a big deal. Suddenly, an old man or an apparition, <laughs> I'm not sure. He looked at this old man, tapped me on my shoulder. I'm not oh. kidding. Tap me on my shoulder. He looked like someone who died during the Titanic <laughs> and was like somehow in the shower with me. And he, there's an entire room full of, you know, shower nozzles. And he asked me if I was almost done with that one. <laughs> Even though all the other ones were open. And I just said, yep, I'm done. And I turned the water off and grabbed my towel and he got out of there. And I can, I can say that I've continued to shower after i work out and it hasn't happened again i think it i think it's just like he's just a ghost that goes around and haunts people who you can tell are nervous about using a locker room shower yeah it, i will say that it, i wish that i had the confidence of old men at the gym because <laughs> they yeah. are the they are the most confident people on earth yeah like even when i'm at home i don't lift my leg up to dry it off no <laughs> You, like I've when we used to live by the Y and just to see old men like use the automatic dryer on their genitals. Like. <laughs> oh, uh, Chris, what about you? Well, first of all, I'll say I I'm a uh, teacher by day and I've coached and taught in different schools and and like half of them uh, they they don't even use the showers anymore. They just turn them into yeah. offices because they're like that's just more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, when Joe asked me to think about this question, I couldn't really think of anything. And then as I was thinking more about it, then I thought of everything. <laughs> um, the one story I'll say is my brother's story. Actually, he's an electrician and he was, um, he was, uh, doing some work, uh, up on North Avenue in Milwaukee. And, uh, there's a, a Wendy's at the corner of North Avenue and I-43. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I once someone tried to sell me uh, pornographic VHS tapes out of a garbage bag in that Wendy's. Well, so it's, I'm just glad there. my dad's got a job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> then when I said no to the porn, he's like, "All right, well, how about the Phantom Menace?" Because he kind of sized me up. <laughs> Come on, you didn't really say that. I'm dead serious. He like, I I was like, "No, dude, I I got." I don't need any porn VHS. Then he like looked at me, had to tell. He's like, "All right, how about the Phantom Menace? <laughs> you want some Boss Nass?" <laughs> the weird thing is, it was a week ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was he was up there, and he he walks in, and there's someone. Uh, he and his uh, the guy that he was working with that day from, uh, get out of the truck and they walk into the Wendy's and the, there's there's a, a, a customer who's just walking away from the counter and there's a large woman of color behind the, the till uh, and as they approach the the counter she yells back into the kitchen waiting on a couple of crackers up here <laughs> <laughs> and they were they like immediately froze and um, and then, and then it slowly dawned on them that the gentleman before them had ordered chili. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> so that's 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 a great moment. Um, but well, we we got uh, running uh, short on time here, but we got to ask our traditional question. 
and that would be about your first experience with Titanic. I when did you first what, see it? What, what, year did the it come, what year did it come out? Ninety seven. Late ninety seven. So you yeah, might have so seen it would have been late ninety seven or early ninety eight. Okay. Okay, so it would have been the summer I graduated from college. So like I, I wasn't twelve. Um and I and I don't I, I I just remember really liking it for the reasons I said before. I just I really like history and um plus it was I feel like it was the first movie that really used um computer uh generated imagery to great effect. Yeah. Like where it where it really enhanced the story and the and it was pretty seamless with the live action stuff and so like uh, like now you could make that movie on your Apple MacBook, you know what I mean? But like at the time it, it was like, Oh my God, I, it feels like I'm really on the Titanic. And, um, uh, and I had this idea after I saw it and I told everybody that, um, uh, they should make, um, they should remake the Titanic and sell tickets on cruises. Um, and, and so that, that was my idea. I don't have any money. And that's something that I feel like would be a, a significant investment. Um, nor do I know anybody with any money. But they uh, next year apparently I did some research before I did the the, the show. Uh, the Titanic two is set to launch in 20, 2018. So what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Titanic two. Um, tycoon and politician Clive Palmer is at the helm of this ambitious project to faithfully recreate the luxury ship, which will be about four meters wider to meet current regulations. Yeah, I think oh, I read about this. So Austra- or, yeah, some guy out of Australia. Or yeah, I th- that sounds right. So there's a bunch of pictures of the, the staircase and the dining rooms and stuff, and it looks, I mean, it, it, the pictures look pretty amazing. So What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I would totally go on this. I just wanted that to be clear. I would totally yeah, go well, on this. That was the one of the questions in the previous episode that I heard, and I, uh, I, I wanted to go on it in 1997, and I would still go on it, uh, even though I would feel like I for sure am tempting fate. Do you have That's to make it fun? Lice? Do we oh. have to be what? Check for lice. Check for lice. Uh, <laughs> do they, do it didn't they, say in the article. Do they still keep the, the three classes? Is there a steerage class? Well, in the photos, there definitely is um, more opulent appointments than others, hmm. for what it's worth. But none of, none of them look you know, like straight-up steerage class, from what I can tell. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like it, we should get a GoFundMe fired up for these th- three hosts and all their hearts of the ocean to go on a little cruise together. Thank oh, there you. we go. There um, more yeah, than, more than open to sponsorship opportunities. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's amazing. I had no idea. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look into that. Uh, Chris, do you? I mentioned you uh, do a podcast called "Who's Doing What Now." Can you let us know about some of the other projects you're? You work on and, and tell us more about that podcast. Just sure. the name isn't quite enough to <laughs> sure listen on what it's about. Yeah, yes. uh, thank you for your kind offer. I, uh, I, I, uh, the two friends and I do a podcast called "Who's Doing What Now." It's a Doctor Who podcast. It is the best Doctor Who podcast that I'm on. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's it's quite good. We just we go episode by episode, starting with 2005, and we'll periodically review and uh, discuss. Um, classic who from the 60s to the 80s as well nice um it's pretty good um and then i also uh, in, uh work through mojo dojo comedy in town and i created a show called uh i should know this which is a little bit like wait wait don't tell me on npr if you're an npr listener uh, and if you're not an npr listener you know maybe do some more reading 
Um, but it's uh but it's it's got live music and it's sort of a quiz show with uh, a panel of comedians uh and we don't really care who wins the 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 show the the questions aren't always answerable or uh empirical in that way but uh more just a way for comedians to be sticky and goofy uh but it's a pretty fun it's a pretty fun show and we uh we can buy tickets on mojo dojo comedy just go to upcoming shows um uh and um get your tickets there because they we typically sell out i've been to a show and i can give it my full endorsement and over there at urban harvest brewing they make a fine brew they so you can have a drink while you uh mm, while yeah. you get well chris thanks a lot for being on thanks and guys and uh listeners we will be back tomorrow with minute 59 of titanic minute <laughs>